And this is Somebody's, Somebody's Gotta Know, a podcast where we have questions. And somebody's gotta have answers. How are you today, Erin? Um, I'm great. The sun is shining. It's a beautiful Sunday. I had a nice breakfast. Things are good. I'm feeling optimistic. How are you, Hannah? I'm just swell. And swell. you know, we have a third person in the room today. Uh, long time listener, first time caller, Mr. Aaron Hodge. How are you today, Aaron? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Big fan of the show. <laughs> Aaron, what's your relation to us? Well, I'm married to one of the uh, hosters of this podcast. Are you going to clarify which one? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, are we going to, should we call him Mr. Hodge? I would prefer that. Oh, we're going to just bolster his ego right up there. Well, if I'm Aaron. Way to go, buddy. Throw in your books. Everybody, hold on to your books. The danger is great if the books are flying. I'm just so um. nervous. <laughs> it's, it's a big show. You know, we got, what is it, 50 listeners now? We do. We do. That's yes. huge, honestly. Last time I checked, it was 10. So, welcome, everybody. Yes. Um, so, are we going to oh. learn more about our guests? Well, I would like to, real quick, describe our guest's outfit, if that's okay. Please do. Erin um, is in pajamas, but on top of those pajamas, he is wearing his wife's nice wool blazer and a scarf and what would you call those? Aviator sunglasses? Those are aviator sunglasses. Because he wants to look like a professor. Wait, don't forget about the pen in his coat oh, pocket. Oh, he has a pen in his coat pocket. A G2, which is arguably the best. He's got a, a textbook and a notebook. A black, a black uh, leather-bound notebook. Yeah. Professor Hodge is here to teach us about okay, something. Okay, Professor Hodge is too, <laughs> too much. <laughs> Damn. Anyone is a mister, but a professor means that, like... You, you don't have... have that many degrees. <laughs> I do have one degree. Mm. And what is it in? I have a Bachelor of Arts in Media Studies. And you use that how? Uh, doing random podcasts, okay. uh, independent film projects, community theater... And uh, just general arts and crafts, mostly. General arts and crafts. Erin is also our official and unofficial manager. Uh, yes, who's been supporting us as we figured out how to get this podcast off the ground. Um, but he uh, has not yet told us the subject that he is going to be the expert on on today's show. Before we get there, I have a couple of things to tell you guys that's unrelated to Erin's subject. Okay, tell us. Um, the first is that I was up until 2 in the morning because Jason and I decided to buy a new entertainment system and start building it at 9 p.m., which was the best choice. Um, and the second is that I was behind the world's slowest Toyota... It wasn't a RAV. What's the other? Corolla? No, it's it's an SUV. I was going to remember what Four it was called. A high, is it Highlander? A Toyota? Oh, yeah, Highlander? There is a Highlander. Yeah. The slowest Highlander on my way here. And it's possible that they were driving the speed limit, and I just don't. But I would have been here on time had they not been so slow. It was not. And that's it. Those are my things. Those well, my... it's interesting that you said that, Hannah, because speed is an element of my topic today. <laughs> oh! Do you speed. have... Do you have any... Not cocaine. I mean, <laughs> speed. Okay. Miss um, Bennett, do you have any extra thoughts, or should we get into it? Um, any extra thoughts? Had a really fun time editing our last episode. If you haven't listened to that yet, go check it out. Arguably um, our best yet. Fun. I think it's fun stuff. Um, so that's all. I just wanted to plug that. But other than that, I'm ready to jump in to our surprise subject. What are you going to teach us about today, Aaron Hodge? 
Thanks for giving me the floor. <laughs> I hate you. I know. <laughs> okay. Well, today, I would like to discuss time. The capital T. Okay. What are your credentials, buddy? Well, I read a lot of books. Um, <laughs> other than that, you could argue I'm just an amateur scientist, but I think passion goes a long way with these kinds of things. I gotta say, this is not what I was expecting. I, I, time. You know what? I'm just curious to jump into it. I'm, I'm very curious. Uh, I Let's think go. I know, like, I think I know some of the things that might come up, but I'm also not positive. Um, but I'm ready to learn yeah. about capital T time. Okay, awesome. Well, I'd like to begin with a quotation from a book I've been reading. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, it's a book called Sometimes a Great Notion by Ken Kesey. Some of you might know him as the author of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Good f- uh, book, not as great of a film. Anyway, what this is... What are you is... talking about? I like the book much better. Well, if everyone likes the book better, but the One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, that has... isn't that Jack Nicholson? It is. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, it's a pleasant film, but, you know, it just wasn't, it didn't do it for me. All right, whatever. All I've right, never read or seen, so. It's fine. It's, uh. Not missing out? Yeah, well, the book is good. Anyway. No, Ken- no I, think, I think it's worth checking out. I think it's okay. worth checking Ken out. Ken Kesey is uh, definitely a product of the 60s, you know. Okay. Uh, you know, the, 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 the narratives in his novels are all over the place, especially this one. Uh, on the surface, it's about a logging clan in Oregon, but it's so many different narrators and it's all over the place. Anyway, but that's irrelevant to what I'm about to read. Go for it. So, long story short, this character is taking a bus from, I believe, Yale all the way to Oregon to go reconnect with his family, who are these, you know, loggers. Um, <clears throat> begin quote. Say, excuse me, I turned again to the sack across from me. Could you tell me the time? The time? His stubble split in a grin. Golly, fellow, we don't have such a thing as the time. You from out of state, ain't that so? I admitted it, and he thrust hands in his pockets and laughed as though they were tickling him there. Time, eh? Time? They got the time so fouled up that I guess there doesn't nobody really know it. You take me, he offered, leaning the whole prize toward me. Now you take me. I'm a mill worker, and I work switch shifts. Sometimes weekends off, sometimes a day here, a night someplace else. So you'd think that'd be enough of a mess, wouldn't you? But then they got this time thing, and I suppose sometimes work one day standard, the next day daylight. Sometimes even come to work on daylight and go home on standard. Oh boy, time, I tell you, you name it. We got fast time, slow time, daylight time, night time, Pacific time, good time, bad time. Yeah, if we Oregonians was hawking time, we'd be able to offer some variety. Awfulest mix up they ever had. End quote. <laughs> okay. So, you wow. know, you can, know, it's can a... Can we, let's say, yeah. I just want to address that the voice that you used for that quote is the same voice you used for the character in the play where the painting in the window happened. I think there was a little more nuance there, but... I disagree. Fair. That's your old-timey voice. (laughs) It's his old-timey voice, although I will say, so in that play you're referring to, he was playing Jesse James, um, the cowboy. Right, I can never remember anything about it except for and nobody who lives in the country should have a painting of the country. Can we uh, say the to, quote? Yeah. Why anyone who lives in the country would have a painting of the country, country. I know the quote, is beyond me. You can just look out the window. Okay. <laughs> That's all I got from the whole play. Uh, hold on. Do you guys know the song? I think it's the band Boston. Does anybody really know what time it is? 
Does anybody really care? Boo, boo, boo. No? Okay. Old 70s song. Move on. I think I had it on a cassette once. Okay. Ooh, a cassette. Yeah. <laughs> Back in the day. Yeah. Right? This is my this is my husband who's potentially a vampire who's been on the planet for hundreds right. of years. A, a werewolf vampire. Yeah. Kind I think it might be. Also Bigfoot. Oh, Bigfoot. Oh, that's he... what it was. Not werewolf. You're Bigfoot. <laughs> you did listen to that one. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm curious for when the notes come in. Um... I say continue. Okay. Well, you know, obviously that's a fun little quote from a book dealing with time zones, as we know. And time zones began not too, too long ago based on the railroad system and their needs for sort of that synchronicity. However, there are some people today who propose that we should all work on one single Earth time. Because during when they began this whole railroad time zone thing, some people determined or said that, well, they thought it was very unnatural. So, believe it or not, I'm not actually here to talk about time zones. I'm here to talk about time. So, capital T. With a capital T. The concept of time. The concept of time. And I'm glad you said that, because the reason I chose this topic, before I dive further in, is uh, the other day, uh, our landlord said to us, and by our landlord, I mean Aaron's mother. <laughs> I was going to say, you don't have a landlord. We were at the table, chit-chatting, and she made a very matter-of-fact statement, like, oh, you guys have no concept of time. You know, you don't realize that, you know, 20 years will go by, it'll feel like five minutes. So, of course, I thought, well, fuck you. I know what time is. You know, you come tell me what time is. Okay. So, decided to study Aaron would never is. say fuck you to Lisa Bennett, though. No, no, that wasn't something I actually said. Okay. It was more like, you know, in body language. I feel like we need to clarify that you do have some respect for your mother-in-law. They have a loving, bantering relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Heck you. Um... So, all right, that's a little intro as to why I chose this okay. topic. I'm sure you were very interested to Yeah, that. I was really expecting you to tell us about, like, trees or snow. Well, I'm a man of many hats, Hannah. I am aware, Aaron. I am very aware. <laughs> For those of you who can't see us, which is everybody, as he said that, he dramatically put his sunglasses on top of his head to prove a point. So, so we're not talking about time zones, so we shouldn't be asking you questions about that. That was just a precursor. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. Because time is a social construct. Are you going to do an intro and then we'll have a time for questions? Or should we just interrupt you with a question? Well, it's your show, so I suppose however you'd like to do it. I like to interrupt, because okay. that's how I would do it if we were having just a conversation. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. So the idea of this, you know, time don't being I like the eye contact that you're making with me right now. <laughs> you don't blink. Because this presentation is so well thought out, I don't have to look in different directions. Which did you know that we move our eyes around because we're activating different parts of our brain when we're scouring our brain for certain thoughts and memories? Did you know I move my eyes around because eye contact makes me uncomfortable and gives me anxiety? I do now. <laughs> Stop. Well, when we get to the brain eyeball episode, we'll return to the subject. But for now, time. Okay. Sure. So, you know... I said, uh, well, this is, seems unnatural. That's not how time really works. So that begs the question, what is natural time? Does it exist? Is it a physical process? Or is it just, as Hannah's put it, a social construct or an illusion? Mm. Mystery, intrigue, spice. So, you know, spice. <laughs> we talk about time. We always think of it as past, present, future. We use this language all the time. But think about it. What do we mean when we say the present? Everything that we do is a constant, uh, 
sort of locomotive of our brains taking in sensory data, having reaction time, processing that information, and then that becomes instilled into our consciousness. Science tells us that it takes approximately two to three seconds. So really what you believe is the present is actually the past. Our bodies are in the future while we're only ever really thinking about the past. This moment right now, you listening to me, me making eye contact with you, it already happened. There's no such thing as the present, according to science. Can I make a comment? Of course. This is the present because I am a gift. Yes. <laughs> that is very poetic. Thank you. No mumbling, though. If you're going to say such gems, they have to be loud <laughs> oh, enough. Uh, this is the present because I am a gift. <laughs> Better? Yeah. Okay. Um... <laughs> So, you're not going to be talking, are we going to be talking about calendars at any time? No. Okay. It sounds like we're talking about the the broad, abstract idea of time right. and how it is something that we as humans created and it doesn't really hold any meaning. But we experience the passing of time. All of these things I will cover. Okay, okay continue. All right. We're ready. Yeah, so I'm going to be diving into, since you seem to be very curious of the trajectory of this lecture, we're going to be dealing with theoretical physics, we're going to be dealing with relativity, we're just going to be dealing with philosophical concepts and the Western structure of how we think about time. This isn't a lecture, it's a conversation. I'm sorry. Thank you. Well, we'll make the conversation. He's okay. trying to have a lecture, but he's, we'll make it a conversation. I see that you positioned yourself on across from both of us to make it look like you were in a panel. He has two students. Yes. <laughs> Very popular. Um, but the reason, I just want to bring up a quick story that I think is interesting, and if it pertains later, then you can bring it up. But one of the things that has popped up that I've read on the internet a couple times is this blip from, I'm pretty sure it was a, uh, I don't say archaeology, an anthropology class. And... Those are two very different things. They are, but they both start with an A and end with anology. Okay, fair. Uh, mm -hmm. And the professor stands in front of the class and shows them a bone that's marked with 28 dashes, marking the 28, 28 days, and then starts again, like, on another side. Um, and she says to the class, we think this is the first example of some human, like, homo sapien individual uh, creating a calendar for themselves or marking the passing of the days as you would on a calendar. And the class is all like, ooh, wow, that's cool. Um, and she says, now, I believe that women were responsible for the invention of the calendar. Oh, 28 days. Right, because she says, what use would a man need to mark 28 days down and count 28 days and mark the next and keep track of it? He wouldn't really. No. A woman would need to. Because, we bleed. Because of her period. So even like... I guess you'd say like Neanderthal women, like the passing of time and keeping a record of it and marking the pattern uh, was you know, more immediately important to them. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Which is, but I thought that was interesting because then it's like so many hundreds of years until we figure out that it's nine months for a, a baby to grow in your belly and come out. But anyway, that's a different thing. But I wanted to bring it up because it's cool. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, obviously things do happen to us. Events happen. We have memories of the past. 
which is part of what instills in us this idea of time moving forward, never right. backwards. Right. We can only ever remember the past. We can't remember the future. But we'll yes. get into that. Okay. So when we look at the origins of how we think about time, at least in our Western sense, we always start with Sir Isaac Newton, you know, the original theorist of mechanics and gravity. Apples. Apples. Yes. This is totally unrelated, but you'll be very happy. Speaking of apples, I discovered last night that I am no longer allergic to pomegranates. Excellent. That's awesome. Pomegranates. Yeah. Okay. Pomegranates are tastier than apples anyway. Continue. We have some pomegranate juice downstairs if you want to have a party afterwards. We can totally have a party afterwards. Awesome. So Isaac Newton believed in time, with a capital T, as sort of a grandfather clock. It was autonomous. It was smooth and constant. Uh, it was a smooth and constant rate from past to future. And to quote Isaac Newton, that absolute true mathematical time of itself and from its own nature flows equally without relation to anything eternal, end quote. Can you say that again, please? Yes, I agree. Absolute, true, mathematical time of itself and from its own nature flows equably without relation to anything external. Are you going to unpack that? I don't think so, because I didn't quite understand it myself. Great. As long as I'm not alone in my confusion. <laughs> so. But basically, he's believing that time is an objective thing that exists above us all and independent of anything that we do. But he's not specifying whether it's moving forward or backward or how fast. He's just saying that there is time. Time, capital T, does exist outside of us. He's, he's believing that it moves at a constant rate that is independent oh. of any external things, which we will find when Einstein released his theory of relativity is not true. <gasps> Plot twist. Okay, keep going then. I'm invested. So, you know, he believed in an objective time, yet we all know from our own experiences that time is subjective. It has different tempos. We say time flies when you're having fun. You know, at certain times if you're bored or depressed, time seems to move very slowly. In fact, it's painful. Yet other times you're on vacation or you're doing something you enjoy, time seems to go by way too fast. So why is that? Well, thanks for asking. <laughs> I'm glad that you built in your own questions. <laughs> this is good. Does Sir Isaac Newton come back, or are we just bringing him up, saying he's wrong, and moving forward? Yes. Mm, okay. All right. So they've done some studies in terms of the perception of time in individuals, and they actually find that the older you get, the faster you experience time, meaning that... As you're older, time goes by faster, and as you're younger, things are slow. In fact, they say by the time you are eight years old, you've subjectively lived two-thirds of your life. This idea of that, you know, the, the endless summer of childhood, mm. because you're learning so many different things and there's so much stimulus. Well, would it feel that way, though? Because, like, for a five-year-old, a year is one-fifth of the total time they've been alive, but for a 50-year-old, that ratio substantially decreases so it feels like less does that make sense what i yes. just said yes it does make sense what you said i couldn't figure out how to finish that <laughs> sentence so i just stopped talking it i think it just means that subjectively in the way that the time is perceived you will have experienced more time in eight years of your life 
But as you get older, time speeds up. Yes. Yes. Is this related at all to learning new things? Yes. Okay. Yes. So just as an example of the study that was done in order to prove this, more or less, they took people in different age groups, um, in particular a group of 20-year-olds and a group of 60-year-olds, and they sat them down without a clock and told them to uh, say when three minutes have gone by. Now, people in their 20s were actually fairly accurate, off by no more than three seconds. People in their 60s were off, usually by over 40 seconds. So... You mean that they... It was three... For them, three minutes felt like three minutes and 40 seconds. Oh, okay. Felt like... Okay. So they would go longer than three minutes before they would say, all right, yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. So... This whole idea of the forward progress of time is the sense of flow we have. You know, we think of our lives, we think of, okay, I'm 29, I have about 30 years of good working life, I gotta get that career in, gotta get that house, gotta get that thing. You're always planning it based on, you know, the forward progression, that at this certain point in the future, indeterminate, I will die. And while contemporary physics is not saying that you're not going to die, I'm you know, not. But that, <laughs> I realize this. Okay, good, good. As long as you're aware. What contemporary physics tries to say is that our perception of the forward progress of time is an illusion. Okay. Uh, I'm curious to hear you go on. But, no, you'll go on and then I'll ask a question. Continue. I know. It sounds like a bunch of gobbledygook. But gobbledygook. <laughs> so... You know, for the most part, people believed in Isaac Newton's kind of thoughts of objective time until Einstein in 1905 came up with his theory of relativity. Now, we all know E equals MC squared. Maybe some of us know that Einstein helped with the Manhattan Project, producing atomic bombs. What is the Manhattan Project? Uh, World War II, producing the first uh, nuclear bomb. I went to a very bad public school. I know very little about (laughs) everything. That's okay. Okay. So... Should we mention... Because didn't Einstein escape... Einstein was alive during World War II? Yes. Did you hear 1905? Yeah. That was World War II? Well, World War II was in 19... Started in 1910, 1912? I picture Einstein and Newton being alive at the same time. No, 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 no. Okay. World War II did not start in 1910. It started in 1939. World War I was... Oh, World War I. World War I was in 1918. I meant World War I. I meant World War I. Okay. Yes, I we, knew World War II was in. We've also been clear that neither of us were history majors. Oh, sorry, I can move that. Um, not contem- I, not contemporary history. I did at one point be able. I was able to recite the order of all the Chinese dynasties, but it hasn't come up again. <laughs> <laughs> at one point, I was able to say the alphabet backwards, but I no longer need that skill. <laughs> um, okay, can you just give us? Very quickly, can you just say when Isaac Newton released his theory? And when you Einstein, mean Einstein? No, both. No, no, I mean Isaac both. Newton. Because oh. I need to know how far apart they were. Hundreds of years. So when did Newton give us gravity? I don't know. Did when it... did Einstein give us? 1905. Wasn't, wasn't Isaac Newton like. We definitely um... had gravity before 1905. We've always had gravity. Well, <laughs> we just didn't know it. No, the term gravity. Come you on. You know what I mean. 
Hold on. Oh. I'm going to look this up very quickly, just for reference. Okay. Can Isaac I, Newton. Can I, can I continue to speak while you look it up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll interrupt you when we have it. Of course. Mm-hmm. So, very few people really think about Einstein's theories of relativity or how it relates to quantum mechanics, which I'm not really going to get into. Thank you. But essentially... Okay, pause. Yeah, yeah, because that was 1776. Yes. I do know that. Thank you, Hamilton. Um, and so 1905 was Einstein. Einstein. So Einstein is the, I guess you could say the original person who would tell people that time is an illusion. In fact, when a family member would die, he would try to comfort people by saying... Time is an illusion. Oh, Einstein. That's not very sensitive. It's not very helpful. But what did he mean by that? But it comforted him. Okay. Well, all right. So what Einstein proved and what changed our perception of time is that moving clocks run slower than stationary clocks. uh, Moving how? As in flying through the sky. Or if you you throw a clock, it moves slower than if you hold a clock? Yes. Can we, after this, get a couple of clocks and test this outside? Absolutely. Thank you. And we'll report on it in the next episode. Yeah, 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 yeah. Essentially, that time slows down the more you're moving. Fast-moving uh, muons, which are fundamental subatomic particles, similar to electrons, take longer to decay the more they're in movement. Now, the theory of relativity states, whether an observer deems two events at different locations to be happening, quote, at the same time, Depends on their state of motion. So if I never stop moving, can I live forever? You will age slower. But aren't we all equally flying through space on this planet that's going around the sun at mm-hmm. high speeds? Mm-hmm. We are, but it depends on the move, the way you're moving, how fast you're moving, and some people would say in what direction. Uh, like forwards or backwards? Like if I run backwards, is that different than running forwards? What? <laughs> <laughs> It should be stated that we're dealing with fractions of a second difference. So while that may seem like whatever, it still implies that there is a gap in the universe that we had not previously understood. Is No, I'm not going to say that. I was going to make a mean comment about Stephen. <laughs> no, no, no. I will, I will be interested to hear that. Afterwards. After, I'll, I'll call him later and tell it to his face. <laughs> So what this is saying is that in one place, an event has already occurred, but yet in another, it is yet to begin. So therefore, there's a gap in our understanding of time. And what he was trying to prove, or what did prove, according to contemporary physics, is that there is no universal now. Past, present, and future are meaningless concepts. They are equally definite and equally real, according to Einstein. Well, okay. Things are about to get weird, so if you want to make a comment on that, then we can... Well, I just had a thought that time zones and things happening in different times are important so that Santa can get everywhere in one night. (laughs) (laughs) So That's what I was thinking about. Santa can move so fast. Well, because if it's Christmas here, it's not Christmas yet in Australia. Right. So he can hit all the houses in a night because of time zones. Figured it out. That's why we have them. (laughs) That's the only reason. (laughs) And so, um, wow. Okay. Well, I'm curious to talk about it at the end because 
part of my question is we still have to understand that there's actions and then reactions to our actions and typically the reactions happen later in time Mm -hmm. well this is going back to you saying that everything that i'm experiencing right now has already happened and it's taking my brain a little bit to process it so even hearing my own voice happened in the past and that really makes my whole existence start to decompose and I'm sorry I made you feel that way. But, but we're still making choices. I'm having existential <laughs> crisis right now. Well, this is what, at the end, I want to talk about the fact that there's what math can show us, and then there's what you perceive every day to get through the day, you know? Um, Do you ever feel uncomfortable and it doesn't feel like your skin fits? Because right now, I'm not fitting in my skin. Hannah, if I can comfort you a little bit, if this is making you uncomfortable, I promise you that at the end, there are other phys- physicists who think it's all bullshit. Okay. <laughs> continue before I disintegrate. Okay, well, it's going to get a little weird first. We're going to go through some bumpy turbulence, but then it's going to get better. Let's talk okay. about... The, let's get weird. Let's okay. get weird. Let's so, funky. All right. Time's an illusion. Well, yes. what is that? What is contemporary physics trying to tell us? Well, it's mostly about our perception of time. And what this sets us up for is this idea, according to contemporary science, that time is not a forward arrow, as we believe, moving through time and space, but actually it is a frozen timescape, a four-dimensional, quote, block universe of all events in your life. Here, you're born, there, you're dead, somewhere else is your life. It's all already happened, or is happening. We can only just perceive of it, the now that we are in now. Have you guys seen The Good Place? Yeah. <laughs> are we in the dot and Jeremy Barry? Because <laughs> <laughs> I think we might be. Oh, the dot and Jeremy Barry. I forgot about I think that. that's how time oh, works. Do you remember that, Aaron? I believe he, so. He, the, he the says that yes, it yes. roughly makes the name Jeremy Barramy. Yes. And there's a the dot in the eye. I don't know. And we say, we don't know. We could be living, experiencing time in this one contained dot. Meanwhile, the rest of time is this Jeremy yes. looping curse of sometimes crisscrossing adventure. That show also broke me. <laughs> oh. And it was supposed to be lighthearted and fun. I loved it. I, oh, I, I loved... watched it three times through. <laughs> Just broken. <laughs> Well, these ideas have been explored in some very popular films, including Interstellar, uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey, as well as Mr. Nobody, if you ever want to check out those. And it came up in Arrival, right? A little bit, yeah. 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 I've never seen any of those films. (laughs) Uh, Maybe we'll do a science fiction episode. Okay. That'd be fun. Did I tell you that I recently watched the first three Matrixes? Oh, darn it, you have? For the first time, so we can go see the fourth one in theaters. But I haven't seen them yet. Oh, we'll watch them together because I didn't understand any of them the Beautiful. first time through. All right. Oh, we'll do Hannah and Aaron review The Matrix. And yes! Oh, hell yeah! Okay, sorry. I'll make a note of that. Yes, make a note, make a note. Continue about time. So, speaking of frozen timescapes and the unreality of time, mathematician Herman Weil once said, quote, The objective world simply is. It does not happen. End quote. All right, so what are we dealing with here? We're dealing with a concept known as eternalism, which this kind of thought dates back to Spinoza, St. Augustine, as well as a guy named Parmenides. Parmenides? He so, might be Greek. I'm not sure. Antiquity? It sounds Antiquity. Greek. 
Yeah. I can't pronounce most Greek names, so I'm going with Parmesan. Yeah, Parmesan. So what what <laughs> eternalism basically is getting at is that time, with a capital T, belongs to the realm of appearance, not reality. The only objective way to see the universe is as God sees it. And I actually never ended up looking up this Latin phrase, subspecie eternatis. Aaron Bennett will Google that for us while you continue. I shall. Can, um... Can you spell it? Let's take a pause, folks, while Aaron spells out this Latin phrase for me. The uh, English translation... Wait, before you translate it, sorry, could you say it again in Latin? Yes. I'll try my best. Thank you. Subspecie eternatis. Which translates to... Under the aspect of eternity. That's gorgeous. That's going to go to my wedding house. From Baruch Spinoza, an honorific expression describing what is universally and eternally true without any reference to or dependence on the temporal portions of reality. Under the aspect of eternity. That sounds like a really great book title. Ooh, I see the gears turning. All right. So that's eternalism uh, in a nutshell. And this sort of thought. And we'll get into that a little bit. It's very popular amongst contemporary physicists. Mm. I also am mm. in that crowd. Uh. However, <laughs> we seem to run into a problem when we start dealing with space and our understanding of what's going on up there. Specifically black holes. Mm, I don't like black holes or that discussion because I am... One of my greatest irrational fears is that... The earth's going to be sucked into a black hole and I'm going to die. So would you like me to skip this section or would you like to clog your ears? No, no, no. No, I'll, I'll listen and then um, I'll call you tonight when I have nightmares. <laughs> I'll try to move quickly through it. Okay. Basically, the idea is that in black holes, time is warped by gravity. And in general, the stronger the gravitational field, the slower time is. In fact, there is a belief that is technically proven by science that if you live on the ground floor of, say, a skyscraper, you will age less slowly than the people who live in the penthouse. Why don't you just say faster rather than less slowly? I'm sorry. Yes, you will age... Faster. Slower, actually. That's what I meant to say. Oh. You'll age slower if you're on the ground floor than if you're on the top floor? Yes. So the rich people who think that they're all fancy are getting old real quick. By fractions of a second, yes. Um... (laughs) Can I, I know we're talking about time, but can I ask a gravity question? Sure. If the gravity on the Earth was turned up real high, would it make us all flat? Like, would it... Suck <laughs> us down to the like ground? squish us? If it happens... Was, uh, I'm picturing the gravity as like a giant pressing the lid down on our Tupperware. Yeah, I think in theory it could feel as though, you know, we're being crushed by rocks or something if you really wanted to bump up the gravity. Okay, thank you. <laughs> For all evil scientists out there. <laughs> you might get your fill of science in this episode. No, that's... we've got more. I'm sure there'll be more science to as explore long as in Hannah's the future. Not too frightened. No, it's it's just the 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 concept of nothing being real and everything being real and it's only real sometimes and things happen before they happen and after and everything is set it is a lot for my brain to compartmentalize. I also have a hard time with your body is making choices before you actually make them, like the whole deterministic thing, I never can jive with, but please continue. Definitely has a little bit of a New Age Calvinism to it. What is Calvinism? Like, 
predestination, those who are going to go to heaven have already been selected. Well, then we could get into the whole conversation. That's a little different. Is that even, like, do we even go anywhere? It's more deterministic than Calvinist. Okay. Side note, we can have a, maybe exploring religions. No, we could do that. Yeah. We were both raised religiously very differently. Very differently. Okay, continue. So, in a black hole, warpage of time is infinite, and scientists believe it is a gateway to the end of time, as we know it. Gateway to the end of time. Now that's a great title. Hmm. Isn't there a song that's like, as we know it, it's the end of the world as we know it. Thank you. I couldn't. I feel fine. It's by, yeah, by R.E.M. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Probably, we probably have to pay the money for singing that. That's okay. Because I I hummed the first time. (laughs) So theorists believe that perhaps inside a black hole, there's such a thing as quantum foam. Where events have no temporal order. Everything is all over the place. There so is no forward progression of time. Uh, you know the stuff that you squirt when you're insulating a house and it expands? Yeah. That's what I'm picturing. <laughs> I also was picturing that. We recently redid our bathroom. I know a lot about building products now. <laughs> Your life is inside that squirt. <laughs> Don't call it a squirt. <laughs> I was made with a squirt. Ooh, yeah. Well, Ooh. so weren't we all. So, all right, I'll skip, I'll get out of uh, the black hole topic and Thank talk you. about the future of time. So, what what's going to happen to time that feels in the future? Like an oxymoron. It is. Thank you. Okay. Well, we have to think time is based in our universal space time container. So, what happens, what happens to time is directly correlated to what happens to the universe. So, now we're going to talk about the universe. <laughs> so, I live in a Tupperware. Filled with insulation foam. <laughs> and nothing is real. And there's a dot somewhere. And, uh, and the it's giant it's squishing. The Jeremy, inside the Jeremy Berry Me dot. Is a Tupperware. Is a Tupperware container. And Hannah. And you are inside a small air pocket inside the foam, inside the Tupperware container, inside the dot of Jeremy Berry Me that what's his name the actor has drawn on a whiteboard. Uh, I don't know his name, but do you know what this makes me think of? Tim Danson? Tim Dan. Tom. Tom. Ted. Ted Danson. Ted Danson. <laughs> T-word. You guys got there eventually. Um, have you guys ever heard the, the theory that, like, this isn't real. I'm in a coma. My brain made all of you up. You guys are trying to communicate with me outside of me to make to wake me up. I was in some horrible accident. I've not heard that. Or, like, or like this is your coma. And, oh. and you made us up. No, I don't like that. Mm, that's that's what, what this makes me think of. How do we know this is real? How do I know I'm alive right now? Well, but here's the deal. What if I'm in a hospital bed and you're creeping into my bosom and you're deciding if you're going to turn off the machines? Well, you could think about that. But in my mind, you, Hannah, in this universe are still affecting the... Whether or not you debate the realness of us, the decisions you make are still real to me and affect me, you know? Is that because I invented you with my brain and that's why you're so perfect? Aw, Hannah. I'm not perfect. I've tried to be perfect. I try to be perfect. You do you Why did you give me this perfectionism complex (laughs) if you invented me? Because I needed someone to counteract me, okay? Take it away. I don't want it. I'll work on that. I'll rewrite it. (laughs) Aaron can keep all his wool coats and sweaters, though. And your wool coats and sweaters. Oh, that's right. We wear each other's. It's fine. Anyway. Let, let us continue on this adventure. On time. To the future of time. Back the to future the future. of time. So, I guess we'll start with the Big Bang. 13.82 billion years ago, according to science, 
That's when they say the universe began, and thus our space-time container, the Tupperware full of foam. <laughs> Thank you. That helps me understand. So scientists have a few different theories of what might happen to the universe as time progresses. Now, as we know, the universe is expanding. Now, some scientists believe that the universe will continue to expanding, and it will end with what's known as the Big Chill. Stars burn out, black holes evaporate, atoms and subatomic particles will decay. And after that, there will just be floating particles, mostly of electrons and protons, and occasionally, human brains will pop up with false memories for an instant and then disappear again. These are known as Boltzmann brains by the scientist Ludwig Boltzmann. Is that what deja vu is? Not the same. In the Matrix, deja vu is when the cat repeats itself. Yes. You'll learn. You'll okay. see. Okay. <laughs> now, another theory of the end of the universe and thus time is the big crunch. Oh, don't Which... like that. So you gotta choose between the big <laughs> chill. Hold on. Actually, do you think that's where the film The Big Chill gets its name? I have a feeling. I thought the same thing. Oh, there's a film called The Big Chill? It's, you would actually really like it. We should watch it sometime. It has nothing to do with Absolutely black holes nothing. Okay, the, the, in the I don't film, watch space films. <laughs> in the film The Big Chill, it's a bunch of friends. And, like, they are chilling in a large house together in a oh, weekend. Okay, is it, like, a, a stoner group? No. Um, it's it's hard to explain. We'll get into it earlier. Different walks of life. Yeah, it's talking about crunching. Yeah, the big crunch. So, in, in the big crunch, they believe that the expansion of the universe will be halted, either by gravity or, and you gotta love this, by some unknown force. Perhaps an act of God. The giant know. closing the Tupperware. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm onto something. So this halting of expansion would cause hundreds of billions of galaxies to collapse on themselves, ending time. What if we're the Who's? And Horton here's a Who. What if we're just living on a speck of dust? What if there are bigger people out there we could get stepped on, and that's the big crunch? But the whole point of Horton here's a Who is they still matter and are living a valuable life. A person's a person, no, no matter, matter how small. small. You're still a person, Aaron Bennett. Thank you, Hannah. <laughs> okay. To quote Father John Misty, a favorite musician of mine. You're a speck on a speck on a speck. Well, that's how I feel today. So thanks so much, Misty. All right. So big crunch, big chills, a lot of big stuff happening. Doesn't sound great, right? No. However, there are some cosmic optimists out there who believe that in the final moments of this crunch, an infinite amount of energy would be released that could be harnessed by our descendants to power an infinite amount of computation or an infinite amount of thoughts. So it would be going at such a fast pace that subjective time would go on forever, regardless of what the objective time is. So thus, we would produce a virtual eternity or a child's endless summer. But with our natural brains, this isn't a computer you're talking right, about. Right, with our natural brains. The machines aren't taking over. Right. This isn't saying that we're going to build a giant computer to do this. This is saying the energy that exists in the universe already. Mm. Our, it, our subjective time, as we would perceive it, would go on forever, even though technically, objectively, time is nearing us towards that crunch. Ah. Huh. Which is somewhat similar, similar to interstellar, where, on, where they're on the planet where 20 minutes on the planet is, say, 50 years uh, somewhere else. So this idea of how time is perceived. Hmm. This makes me think of, I was in a science class in, I don't know, high school or something. And they said that if you half the distance 
that you go every time that you move towards the door you technically will never actually reach the door yes right mm-hmm. yes so so that's what this is we get closer and closer to the crunch but you never get there yeah okay right. i can understand that yeah Ooh, see, we're better. public school did not fail you altogether it wasn't public school it was my public school okay. <laughs> it was not okay. good okay all right so i'll stop talking about the universe because after a while it's just like all right whatever i gotta live my life right right you know? yeah it, well so we're dealing with primarily the psychology of time and that's what we talk about when we say time is an illusion that the way we perceive it is not what we think, which is directly tied into memories. Can I ask a question? Yes. So previously we were looking outwards, so now we're switching to inwards, yes. inside our brains. Subjective time. Subjective time. Okay. Brains do not confuse me, so I'm ready. Okay. I don't so, like that smirk. I am less ready now. <laughs> so obviously we all experience our lives subjectively, and all of us have memories. So what do memories do? Memories are primarily one of the reasons why we do experience time forward. It ingrains in us this feeling of moving through time. We cannot remember events in the future, even if it is a four-dimensional panorama that already happened, according to science. Is this where deja vu occurs? Maybe. Can you explain what four dimensions... Like, we are Mm three-dimensional. We exist. I'm not flat Stanley... I don't bubble in the wind. You know, like when you shake a bubble. Where have we made that noise? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but like, what is the fourth dimension? So imagine your life is a horizontal uh, piece of paper uh-huh. and it tracks your entire life. Uh-huh. You are somewhere near the beginning of that piece of paper, but all the events that already happened are already happening or have happened. You can only perceive you as going through time from one end to the other. But I exist tomorrow. Yes. Already. Yes. Today. Live you. You are already living in the future, as we proved with our reaction. Oh, I hope future Hannah is happy with this Hannah's decisions. She may have already written you a letter. Aw, so that... Well... If she is able to pierce the veil of time, she may have already tried to send you some messages. Future Hannah, if you can hear this, stop trying to pierce the veil of time. I don't want to hear from you. <laughs> Stop it. No piercing the veil of time. Uh, my PR episode title. <laughs> so, because we cannot remember events in the future, we always believe we're going through one direction, not the other. Hence, this arrow of time. Now, John Archibald Wheeler, a physicist, said, quote, Time is nature's way to keep everything from happening all at once. Now, that sounds all really smart and philosophical. Truth is, he found that uh, on graffiti in the bathroom of a cafe in Texas. So if you feel a little lost with all these ideas of time, even the people who are coming up with these ideas are a little confused as to what it means for us. If I would believe anything, it is that the trees are in charge. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) That's what I got from that. Oh, well, I was talking about this with someone the other day. Just a quick little tidbit. In one of my classes... We were talking about, it was a theater studies class, and we were talking about um, a paper that was written about the ethics of representing plants in theater. Um, And the argument in the paper was that we can't understand how trees experience time. Well, they live so much longer than us, and they're so interconnected with each other. And, you know, trees actually, they like share energy and resources under the ground. They're like... 
they almost have like families like they're connected their roots hold hands yes their roots hold hands and share information like they can say like squeeze squeeze danger's coming um which is so cool and there was this idea that a play would have to be so slow if you were really going to represent a tree's point of view of and what it do they value the passing of time? Does it matter? Does it not matter? Anyway, so like that was pretty wild. Well, I would argue, based on everything that Aaron Hodge has told us, that if trees live that long, it would actually be a very quickly paced show because they experience time more quickly because as we get older, that's what happens. Oh. Yeah? Did I get that? Am I retaining information? Because there's so few new information that they compress it for and experience the new information of course, you're assuming that the brains of trees work the same way as humans. Do trees have brains? Ah, well, they have knowledge. They might not have brains the way we have it all condensed up in our head. Um, I don't know. That's a different... All right. Tree episode in the future. Please continue. <laughs> okay. Things are going to get a little more poetic as I move past the science. I now, do love poetry. Most physicists and philosophers today tend to agree with Einstein about the whole illusion. They're eternalists. However, there are a small group who are known as presentists. They presentists. Believe, it doesn't sound quite as good, but it's there. They believe that now is a special moment that advances like a light in the line of history. Now, for example... Advances like a light, like a flashlight, like you can shine it. Yes, like you are a light moving through history. The now... So not you not... can only see what is in the light. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. Do you ever think about the fact that you never see yourself? Yeah. You never see yourself exactly how you are, how other people see you? Mm-hmm. Yes, I do think about that. I just became very aware of the fact that I can't see my own face. It's a weird feeling. Don't think about that too much. Okay. Okay. So the, the 20th... This is really hard episode for me. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the 20th century philosopher Martin Heidegger, he believed that time only finds its meaning in death, in our awareness of our own finitude, which is special to human beings. In fact, our awareness of our uh, temporal existence informs our understanding of time and provides meaning. We don't think of ourselves reflected upon eternity. We think of ourselves based on our deaths. Speak for yourself. (laughs) (laughs) I'm never dying. (laughs) That's terrifying, so I'm going to avoid it. Okay. Okay. You believe that being is time. Yeah, I'm we, into this. We project our lives onto the horizon of our death. and That's a, that's a little morbid, I feel like. Well, it, it, it's just a value system. Like, it's saying you, you want to make the best... Well, I guess it's also optimistic because no one's living... Oh, I shouldn't say no one. Most people aren't living like they're going to get in some horrible accident tomorrow and die. No. We're all living like we're going to live into our 70s or 80s. Or 90s. Yeah. Or 100s. That's the plan. I'm aiming for 110, personally. Me too, so I can see the turn of two centuries. I hadn't thought of it that way, but yes. Ha <laughs> ha! Anyway, but if you think of it that way, you are thinking these are all the things I would like to do. And that's how you kind of decide how you make decisions. Okay. If you had infinite time... It then... wouldn't really matter as much what you did. Right. Because there'd be no end. Right. You try everything. Yeah, but then you wouldn't have any motivation to actually act on trying everything. Well, I mean, maybe you would, but... I think it depends on your personality. But I think I would have more motivation to try different things because I 
wouldn't feel like if I picked something I'm trapped in it because I'd run out of time to learn other things. Huh. But do you feel like that's only because you're assuming if you ever had the opportunity to live forever, you'd know what it was like to think you weren't going to? Like, imagine if you had, if there was no concept of your life ending and everyone just... Oh, I would mm, see? sleep all the time. See? I think, yeah. That's my favorite activity. Well, it is... Uh, I'd probably take more risks, too. Well, I guess that's if we're immortal, not if we could live forever. If there was no chance of me dying ever, there's a lot more stuff that's I would different. Try. That's different. Being invincible is different. Than... I would like to be invincible. Well, sure. Yeah. That would be preferable. Anyway. Would you want to live forever? Only if the people around me also lived forever. I wouldn't right. want to have to make a new set of friends and family every 80 years. But, like, if me and you and Aaron and Jason all were immortal and invincible, hell yeah. We'd do so many cool things. The we... four of us taking on the world? Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> Sorry, I really took us down a different road. Let's get back on course. Back, back to the notebook. So this is the idea that time is just a reflection of change. And from this change, we believe in the flow of time. Now, John... Poking Horn, who's a quantum physicist as well as an Anglican priest, believes that the flow of time is, quote, real and relentless. And, quote, no observer has knowledge of a distant event until they are unambiguously in that observer's past. Therefore, that argument focuses on the way observers organize their description of the past and cannot establish the reality of the awaiting future. He believes that we live in a world of unfolding and becoming which I think we can all agree with or would like to believe in, that we are becoming who we are to be. Not necessarily in a deterministic way, but that things have not already happened or that we're living in some you know, mural that has already mapped out everything. Of course, we want to live that way. And Leo Tolstoy, author of War and Peace and many other things, believe that it is crucial that man or woman believes in free will even if it is not objectively true. Yes, I agree with Tolstoy. I do want to mention something really quick that just jumps back to one of our previous episodes. We brought up the subject of linguistic relativity. Oh, yeah. And I was trying... I didn't really give examples in that episode, but one of the things I wanted to mention, um, and I think I have this correctly, I think it's Mandarin. Um, they don't have a... They... Uh, all right, I think I'm getting this right. I will correct myself in a future episode if I'm wrong. But they don't conjugate their verbs the same way we do in English. So when we say, I did this, I will do this, they don't have that. The verb just is the verb. And everything is in the present, the way you talk about it. And they have a way of, like, they know speaking yeah. to each other in Mandarin. They have other language for that. Like what they mean, right. Um, but directly translated. Right. It sounds like everything is in the present. Like, Interesting. Um, so remember I was saying, like, you immerse yourself in a language and it changes how you perceive things? Mm -hmm. Like, that's one of the things. Like, they have a... I read a recent article about this, so a translator was talking about how she... Her ideas of time changed when she started thinking and writing in English. Hmm. Interesting. That's pretty good. I wonder if that's because... Aren't they one of, like, the oldest languages? languages? Written languages? Mandarin? Um, you could, you could or like be right. cultures, like haven't they been around for a, a long 
Like America's new. America's new. America's We're a little an baby. angsty thirteen yeah. year teenager. In but haven't the universe. Do you think that may be contributing to like the, the length of time that they've had their language? Might be why it works that way. It's not like a big mosh pit like English is. Yeah. Well, well, English has existed longer than America, but I think American English even is different than other versions of English. But I think if I know anything about history, which we know I do <laughs> not, the Chinese language has been a lot around longer than the English language. And to me, that would make sense that they would then talk about and perceive time differently with their words. I don't know. I'd have to look into this. I am probably talking out of my ass, as I have every episode thus far. But that's a good guess. That's a good observation. Though. I think there's some truth to that. Okay. Continue with the notebook. So, <laughs> I like that. It, it, how this has been working out. So yeah. Like <laughs> so, yeah. Some science-minded people are a little more down-to-earth. They're with us and saying that, you know, whatever objective time is the idea that time is not real is counterintuitive for you and i individuals here on the planet earth time is subjectively real even if it's not fundamentally real and in fact a scientist by the name of abhijit nascar says quote time is basically an illusion created by the mind to aid in our sense of temporal presence in the vast ocean of space without the neurons to create a virtual perception of the past and future based on all of our experiences there is no actual existence of the past and future. All that there is, is the present. What does this mean? Well, we know that memories can be fabricated and they, we can we reconstruct our past in our minds to fit the image of ourselves in the present. That's pretty well understood. People lie to themselves all the time. Constantly. <laughs> <laughs> I have it under good authority from my therapist that if I keep telling myself nice things, I'll start to believe them. Sometimes lying is good. I believe that. Okay. I believe that. So some people ask, well, you know, if time's an illusion, why do we age? Stuff like that, which is kind of missing the point. But actually, we usually think of aging as a process of biology. But actually, some people believe it's actually an element of physics, that aging is a natural process reduced to what's known as nanoscale thermal physics and not disease. Back up for a second. That people, if time is an illusion, why do we age? Would you uh, agree or disagree with the following statement? Um, that time in and of itself is in existence, but the way that we perceive time is the illusion. I suppose you could go either way with that one. Well, that didn't help my brain. <laughs> well, I think he's saying there are multiple... Like, the physicists right now are all arguing with each other about this. And the physicists need to sit down and have a mediation. Well, I guess you could ask in a different way. If something feels real to you, is it real? Well, is anything real? See, I feel like... Yeah, if I am answering the question, if someone says, does it feel real? What is to real? To me, yes. Uh, my perception of real changed after I watched The Matrix. <laughs> okay, fictional fictional <laughs> film. <laughs> well, no, they have a conversation where I'm not going to say too much because I do need you to watch it. But basically, the main guy is explained what the Matrix is, and Keanu he Reeves. Yep, and he goes, and there's like things that pop up, and he goes, "Well, is any of this real?" And the other guy goes, "What is real? You can touch it, you can see it, you can feel it, you can use it. So wouldn't that make it real? Even though like technically it's all in his mind." 
he is experiencing it and therefore it is real. I see what you're saying. But he couldn't have like taken that thing with him out of the matrix. I see. Well, that's a good point because I also am not into like computer generated reality. But then I've heard people say, you know, if we have someone who is say unable to leave their home why should wouldn't they benefit from being able to see the world that way um which is a whole there's a, that's a lot that's a lot to unpack there so we, well i think also if i'm in a coma and i've made you all up it doesn't make you any less real to my brain well right yeah you might not exist but, but in this moment you're real but i've and i feel real well that's because i've my brain has told you to all right Please continue. Back to time. I'm just going to talk about nanoscale thermal physics a little bit more before we move off of Those that. Those are all words that make so, my brain hurt. So that's what's going on inside our body. Like little little tiny physics is happening inside of us. That's what scientists believe. Little tiny physics is happening inside of me and I did not consent to it. <laughs> so until the, up until the about little that. tiny physics to stop. <laughs> we're trying. Thank yeah, you. We're trying. Until the 1950s, increasing life expectancy was due almost entirely to elimination of infectious diseases. Yeah, the vaccines. Science. And these risk factors for dying were not necessarily age-dependent. In fact, the exponentially increasing risk of death was due to the internal wear of entropy. In other words, chaos. How every particle in the universe moves towards entropy. I like chaos. To quote Mr. Nobody, why does the smoke not return to the cigarette? I thought that was a silly movie, but... It was a little bit. <laughs> Continue. I think your husband is a silly person, so... <laughs> but look at his jacket. That's such a serious jacket. It's also a woman's jacket. <laughs> you didn't know that unless I told you. Okay. <laughs> well, some people believe androgyny brings you closer to God, so if it's a woman's jacket, I think that's all right. I think that there's nothing wrong with wearing clothes that are not technically made for your sub or subscribed to your perceived gender. And um, gender is also a social construct, and we can get into that in another episode. Yes, we shall. And we'll talk because I wanted to do maybe a fashion episode, so that could be kind of Ooh. fun. Ooh, all right. I find androgyny very attractive. Continue. We <laughs> 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 have to leave that pause in. <laughs> That might be a worthy pause, but we'll see. Please, back to the words. I'll just say one more thing about basically what physics, or those who believe that physics is really the cause of death and not biology, is that the ultimate cause of people dying is actually the biting you don't fall off of a cliff, uh, choke on something, get into a car crash. Exceptional Uh, circumstances, there's always an exception to the rule. It is due to the increasing loss of molecular fidelity or increasing molecular disorder due to physics. So parts of your body are dying slowly over time, which then results in you inevitably dying. Yes. That is surprisingly I think so. I think so. the least confusing part of this <laughs> so far to me. That makes so much sense. So we've just talked about some pretty big concepts that really don't have squat to do with our lives. But it makes us think about certain things in terms of the fact that in order to live a valuable life, you have to be a little bit ignorant of some things. And you mentioned language, which is important because we use language all the time that we know doesn't make sense. We talk about the sun rising. 
But the sun doesn't rise. The earth moves around it. Ooh, that's weird. It's my ring. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I have ADHD. Sparkly light on the wall. My engagement ring caught the reflection of the sun and is reflecting onto the wall, and I made everyone stop and look at it. Prisms, light. Yes, continue. Perception. Being affected by our language. 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 (laughs) With a capital T. (laughs) (laughs) By demagoguery, I mean demagoguery. I thought so. Um, It's a video. We'll show it to you. I I just need everyone through the podcast, all of our friends, to know that this is what hanging out with the errands is. Um, Something happens that triggers some movie quote in both of their minds. They say it back and forth to each other. I don't follow a single thing, and I laugh along anyways. <laughs> this is Life with the Errands, the sitcom. Aaron Squared. Mm-hmm. That sounds like an ABC kind of weekly, maybe 9 o'clock show. Kind of like in the Big Bang slot, Big Bang Theory. You yeah. Know? I feel like it would It would be... last a season. People would stop watching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, there lives. wouldn't be enough, enough um, material... To not like have it be the same thing every time, but I also picture it as a sitcom surrounding you two being late night talk show hosts. Like oh. you don't legitimately have a late night talk show; it's it's made it's up, a, but yeah. in sitcom form. Maybe oh. it gets like gritty in the second season, and that's why it kind of pans off. And stop watching, it becomes kind of a noir, and they're like, "This isn't what I signed up for." So believe it or not, I'm actually nearing <laughs> the time. conclusion of my. The conclusion? The conclusion, as I like to call it. We don't shame in this podcast for mispronunciation, especially me. So we've kind of been under the impression that our brains are faulty, or at least uh, the way we perceive objective reality. Well, our brains are faulty. Mm. Biologically, they're faulty. Mm -hmm. And they're all different. However, some would argue that this is actually to our advantage. Oh, yeah. Okay. It is to our advantage that our memories are not entirely accurate, so that we can Im- imagine a new situation in the future that doesn't has never happened. Or is this like when exist? I have conversations that never happen in my head in the shower, mm. knocked out, full arguments with people? Yeah. Yes. Yes. I always win and then never have the argument. Because if we could only ever remember things exactly as they happened, our imagination would go out the window. Oh. So because our brains are faulty, we have the ability to be creative. Yes. Okay. Because mm-hmm. we're making up for things we're not sure of. So we invent. Yes. And in terms of the how we perceive time, we talked about if you're bored or depressed, time goes slowly. Mm-hmm. I used to bump... Uh, or, sorry. I was going to say bump chairs. In other words, I used to operate the lift at a ski mountain for some seasons. <laughs> oh, you were using slang. And those were the worst days of my life. Uh the more memories we create for ourselves in everyday life, you know, trying new things, uh, just being very active, the longer your life will feel when you look back. So, you know, there's nothing worse than you work a full week and then you decide, well, this weekend I'm going to do nothing because I've done so much. That's the worst thing you could do. I do that all the time. Nothing days are my favorite days. I definitely enjoy doing nothing, but usually I'm at least reading. Oh, no, on my nothing days, like, I'm productive. I crochet or something. Yeah, it doesn't mean you have to go book a flight to Thailand or something, but if you want to, definitely go for it. Jason and I binge movies, and I make blankets. And then you make a podcast with me on Sundays. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So the, the lesson here, 
is that we should always be seeking new experiences to have a full life. Yay. However, Ooh. I have one more thing. Oh, <laughs> oh wait, there's more. <laughs> so we've talked about different ideas about what time is. Um, but I actually have one idea of time that actually is related to religion that I would like to discuss. It's from a very favorite movie of, movie, movie yep, of mine try again. <laughs> called uh, Waking Life, uh, directed by one of my favorite directors, Richard Linklater. He also did the Before Sunrise trilogy. I encourage everyone to check it out. Uh, you would like those very much. Okay, yeah. you should watch those. And it, it deals with uh, Gnosticism, which was an early Christian sect before the church kind of ishnated it due to different beliefs. The movie is essentially the uh, protagonist who is trapped in a dream. There's a lot of different vignettes of him meeting different people and he has philosophical, ontological conversations with. So in this scene, uh, a man is describing uh, an experience that uh, the author Philip K. Dick had. He wrote, um, do androids dream of electric sleep? That was turned into... The Man in the High Castle. A lot of sci-fi. That became Blade Runner. Yeah. I think that's... Yes. Right. Who reportedly began to experience events identical to a book he had written, which, when he began to speak with his priest, actually found out they were identical to events that happened in the book of Acts, in the Bible. So he began to have a theory that time was an illusion, and that we were actually in 50 AD. And the reason he had written his book was that he had somehow momentarily punctured through the illusion, this veil of time. Now, here's there the he goes, puncturing the veil of time. <laughs> I've asked you to stop that. <laughs> here's the quote. And he was really into Gnosticism. Could you it, define that? What What is Gnosticism? So, well, that's a, well, well, that's assume, a loaded question. Well, define assume, the Renaissance, please. Well, within this, it's going to talk a little bit about Gnosticism. Okay, okay. But it, you're saying it's a... It's a side quest of Christianity. It was one of the original sects of Christianity. Okay. Basically, they believed... It was almost Neoplatonist in the way that they believed that... Um, oh, wait. Continue, continue. I think actually... There is a perfect, beautiful reality in that uh, the reality as we know it was actually a fabrication created by a demon. Created by a demon? Uh, Gnostic doctrine taught the world was created and ruled by a lesser divinity, the Dem- Demiurg? And yeah. that Christ was an emissary of the remote supreme divine being, esoteric knowledge of whom enabled the redemption of the human spirit. I like it. So there's a I'm smaller... I'm going to become Gnostic. So there's a little demon who was like, I'm going to create the universe. And God was like, okay, all right, whatever you want to do. They also, they also believe that Christ, obviously the crucifixion is such a big thing in Christianity, but that it was just a temporal body that he came into in order to provide us with knowledge of our true nature. Gnosis is the important word in Gnosticism, whereas we as human beings have lost the certain knowledge of the the God that is within us all. That there, God is not a separate thing. We are all a piece of God. That really boosts my ego. Yeah, I like that. That's, that's, that's I'm going to go home and tell Jason that I am God. <laughs> that's what we took away from this. So, I am immortal and I am God. So... This, I just was... have to move really fast. I'll ask Stephen for tips. <laughs> continue, continue. So he was really into Gnosticism and this idea that this demiurge or demon 
had created this illusion of time to make us forget that Christ was about to return, and the kingdom of God was about to arrive, and that we're all in 50 AD, and there's someone trying to make us forget that God is imminent. And that's what time is. That's what all of history is. It's this kind of continuous daydream or distraction. And end quote real quick, just so I can make a description. The man who was talking was to the quote, other that man. That wasn't you? That was a quote. That sounded very much like you. Well, was it a quote of yourself? I guess it was a very formative experience for me watching that movie. Maybe you are that person reincarnated. It's very possible. Philip K. Dick? Or... No, the, well, maybe. You're Bigfoot. Bigfoot is in all of us. Does Bigfoot experience time differently? Because he's so big? Because he's, he's so always high on the move. You never I wonder, see him not I wonder that's whole... why Bigfoot's always walking. He's walking so he can be immortal. It's like Superman when he goes backwards around yes. the world. <laughs> um, well, you were saying that people on the bottom floor age slower, people on the top floor, and he's so high up. I wonder if he's just aging really quickly because mm-hmm. gravity is squishing him. <laughs> that's too many dots for me. I'm not sure. about <laughs> <laughs> Bigfoot still? Because <laughs> he's so tall. But he's There's not, less air up there. He's There's not 36 stories tall. He's, Have you met him? Do you know? I've only seen the documentaries on You're the You're only Street married show. to him. How tall are you? <laughs> Five, ten, and three quarters. I thought you were taller than that. Maybe it's your presence. Your personality mm-hmm. is bigger than Larger your height. Larger than life. Okay, anyways, sorry. <laughs> so, so, no more Bigfoot, more time. So the man talking about Philip K. Dick's experience who's talking to the protagonist in this film, I know this is a little confusing, he is in a dream with uh, a historical figure known as Lady Gregory, who some of you may know as the patron of William Butler Yeats, the Irish poet. Gregory Gale. Though he didn't know her and he didn't know her face, but somehow in his dream he could recognize her as Lady Gregory. So, quote... So we're walking along, and Lady Gregory turns to me and says, Let me explain to you the nature of the universe. Now, Philip K. Dick is right about time, but he's wrong that it's 50 AD. Actually, there's only one instant, and it's right now, and it's eternity. And it's an instant in which God is posing a question, like, Do you want to, you know, be one with eternity? Do you want to be in heaven? And we're all saying, No, thank you. Not just yet. (laughs) And so time is actually just this constant saying no to God's invitation. I mean, that's what time is. That's rude. And it's no more 50 AD than it's 2001 or 2022. And there's just this one instant, and that's what we're always in. Behind the phenomenal distance of difference of everyone's life, there is but one story, and that's the story of moving from no to yes. That's the journey. I mean, everyone gets to the yes in the end, right? End quote. I think I finally understand the pandemic, because if I were God and everyone was ignoring my invitation for 2,022 years, I'd be pretty pissed, and I'd make them all really sick so they didn't have a choice. (laughs) Time's up, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) I invited you to my party, and you said no for too long. Time's up, bucko. (laughs) I'm in charge So is that why you'd say there's an occasional pandemic, like in 19... Or a plague, or... Um, right right, right, Right after World War... What? Like the smallpox epidemic. I feel like you need to do an episode on the world wars just so we can oh, get some Oh, but people talk about world wars so much and I it's know, all just... I don't, I don't want to talk about the you world don't have wars. To just, I know. I'll my watch... dad on. He would explain the wars to us. Or we just, we watch what, 1918 and then we 1917. watch... 1917. 1917. And then we watch um, any one of the thousands of world war II movies. Or we don't do that. And we will still live full and purposeful lives. Yes. All we needed to take away from this was that World War One started in 
But if not, I didn't think it was 1917. I said 1918, but I was wrong. But the events that led to it started years before. Or that. It might have been 1916 to 1920. See, even I'm not perfect. But world wars don't start instantaneously. It's a buildup of conflict. World War One started July 28th, 1914, and oh ended November 11th, 1918. Everybody's wrong. I had the. I said so the 19... end date was the start date. I was uh. so. Wrong. I was thinking. I was thinking of the Russian Revolution. Is what I was thinking. Oh, I don't believe you. I'm gonna look up when that started. When was the Russian Revolution? I do think he's right, actually. March 8th, 1917. Fuck you. Yeah, I know a thing or two. And World War II started in 1939. Yes. But that was after... World War One. Oh, yes, it was after <laughs> World War One, but it was after um, conflict was, was building. But anyway. Um, Usually conflict builds for the war happens. Right, right, it's right. not a game of tag where we say, so, and go. Let's <laughs> recap. Yes. This is what I've learned today. Yes. Time isn't real. I'm not real. Nothing is real. We're all already dead and being born right now. Jeremy bear me. But fuck it. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> <Talk> it. <laughs> wow. Let's see. If I was going to summarize, Isaac Newton first was wrong. Then Isaac Newton and Einstein did not live at the same time. Also learned that today. Correct. Um... Einstein came around, would go around telling people, don't be sad, time is an illusion. Einstein wasn't the guy with the kite, right? No, that was... That was Ben Franklin. That was Ben Franklin. Okay, thanks. Einstein was the poofy... The, the <laughs> no, I know what his hair looked like, but I think that because... I mean, Einstein may like have that, flown a kite at some point in his life. I, I, <laughs> that my brain goes, his hair is so big because he was electrocuted by the kite. Actually, he sent his own son to do it, not him. Ben Franklin did. He's like, yeah, go, go, go out in the light. Brad Franklin didn't even hold the kite. No, no. my life is a lie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think we're gonna do an episode on Brad Franklin, but okay. So we're not. We're gonna stop talking about old dead guys. Sure. Yolo. <laughs> do you remember? <laughs> Fucking what's his name? Tyler. Oh yeah. His big ass Tyler got. He was a he was dating Kitty for a while in college. I think this was before you started coming to parties. Yes. And he got YOLO and like block found found. <laughs> like Helvetica's <laughs> his whole side of his like his whole ribs from armpit to butt. YOLO. Clearly he understood time is subjective. Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, do we only live once though? But that's a topic for another time. They say energy doesn't die, it just transforms, which I guess... In my next life, I'd like to be a sea otter. But in an aquarium, I don't want to have to run away from other animals. (laughs) I want to be fed fish from a bucket. (laughs) And have people clap and want to pet you? Yeah, and hold my little sea otter friend's hand and have a favorite rock in my pouch. And flip? And have no concerns in the world. And (laughs) And a tag on my ankle. (laughs) <laughs> and my name will be Gregor Nigale. <laughs> Gregor Nigale. That's it. That's my dream. That's a beautiful dream. Thank you. Um, so, <laughs> we're should nearing we, towards the end. Should but we do our true and falses? Yes, we're going to flip the tables now on our guest who has given us all this wonderful information to unpack about time and existence and perception and relativity. Uh, we're going to ask you some true or false. Rapid fire. Okay, so we both have three. Would you like to go first, or would you like me to go first? You go first, please. By laying a frog... Ooh, are we... Like, are you both going to guess true or false, or is this just for him? Just Aaron. Okay. 
By laying a frog on its back and softly caressing its tummy, it is possible to hypnotize it. True. Correct. The Nope, that was my next fact. Go ahead. Jupiter has the most moons of any planet in our solar system. False. Correct. Jupiter has the largest moon, Ganymede, but for its 79 moons, Saturn has 82. And it also, I thought this was fun, has uh, little moons called moonlets. Oh, cute. <laughs> and moonlets... I want a little moonlet. A little moonlet um, is what... They have enough gravity that help all the little asteroids stay in the ring around Saturn. Keep them in line. Mom, I only got one moon, and Saturn got 82. And moonlets... Make Saturn share! <laughs> Okay. Go, go, go. True or false? Oh, mine's also moon-related. The moon is wider than Australia. <laughs> wider? Mm-hmm. False. Correct. The moon has a diameter of 3,500 kilometers, whereas Australia spans over 4,000 kilometers east to west. Three for wow. three. All right, ready? Mm-hmm. I continued on the space moon theme. The moons of Uranus are named after the Norse gods. <laughs> are you five? Uranus. Uranus. No. Uranus. Jason and I had this argument recently because I told him it was pronounced Uranus and he went, yeah, if you're in a seventh grade class, you don't want to make the little boys laugh. Am I wrong? Is that what they did to me now? I think I don't. I honestly, I say Uranus. Uranus. I don't know which one's right. Uh, that's for another episode. Anyway, we're talking about my anus or Uranus. Is Pluto a planet? Uh, it is has it's, been returned. The millennials rioted, <laughs> and Pluto was reinstated as a planet, as as Pluto deserves. Um, but yeah, uh, the moons of Uranus are named after the Norse gods. True or false? True. False. Ah, oh. stumped you. The moons of Uranus are named after Shakespeare's characters, such as Ophelia and Puck. And I will say, I think Shakespeare would have appreciated that his characters. Are the moons around the planet that has the butt innuendo <laughs> as a part of it? <laughs> Daily, your nose and sinuses create about one liter of mucus. Does that depend on who you are? Is this is like any individual? Average, plus how, or minus. How much? One liter. One liter. A liter of mucus. True. Yes. There's a lot of snot up in that noggin. <laughs> okay, here's the last <laughs> one. And Pluto comes up. We brought Pluto back. Ready? Mm-hmm. Pluto's moon has its own tiny moon orbiting around it. True or false? One moon. Pluto, Pluto moon, little moon. So it has a moon and a little moon? Is that what you're saying? Uh, a mini moon around its big moon. Its moon has a moon. True or false? It's like when you buy your dog a dog. True. False. Oh. Eris is another dwarf planet farther out from Pluto, um, and it has a tiny moon named Dysomnia, um, but Eris, we have deemed a dwarf planet, and not a, it's not a moon of Pluto. It has its own... Does it go around Pluto? No. Isn't that far away being a moon? Well, from far away, so I like think they the might moon, have thought the moon, this... the moon spoon. Yes, no, you're right. They, okay. they have found out it is going around the sun. Um, but it has a tiny moon named Dysomnia, which I think is such a nice yeah. name for a moon. Um, Speaking of the sun, Pluto's moon is named Charon. Like Karen? Charon. Pluto's moon's name is Karen? Charon. You, actually, you might be able to say... Does Pluto you, want to speak to the manager? Well, this is how you pronounce... You could say it Charon. 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 It's either Sharon or Karen. It's one of the um, two. Speaking of the sun, do you guys ever worry about it exploding? 
than to all of us dying a fiery, fiery death. No, I don't worry. Do you about think that. if it exploded, we'd like have the time to acknowledge that it exploded? Do you think it would just we'd be dead and we wouldn't have to worry about the pain or the agony? I don't think you'd have to. I don't think, you think you'd it would have just destroy worry. us. I think it would be instant. Well, I think that goes back to time, right? We're seeing the sun years in the past. No, not the sun. Not the sun. Right, the other stars. stars. Other stars. The, stars the, the, the sun But is... I'm thinking like if the sun... Because all stars burst there's a lag. There's a, there's a lag there. So at least we'd be aware would, that it blew up And then we we'd go, ah. I actually... I would look into that, but I think the sun is so humongous compared to Earth. I don't think there's a lag of sunlight. I think that it would just be just right. See, instantaneous death. I think it'd be the sun is so huge. Would you want to be aware? Would you want to know that your end was coming, or would you want it to just end and have no thoughts in your little brain? Oh, I, I honestly, I'd go with no thoughts. I, I think I'd just wanna. I think no thoughts. I'd like to know. I'd like to not be afraid in my last moments on on existence. Yeah, I don't wanna. I want to end. I happily. would say yes to eternity. I want to be naive. You want to say yes to eternity? Those would be my last words. Yes! Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, on on that note, I thought it might be like, I love you, this has been great. If we're together, of course. But then if I said that, then you'd be like, why are you telling me that? We're going to (laughs) die. Right, because he's aware and you're not. This is running on the assumption that Aaron is (laughs) all-knowing. our first ever extra special guest. Thank you. Thank you. And I would like to thank Jim Holt, author of a book called When Einstein Met Goodell, Excursions to the Edge of Thought. Um, and you'd that, like to thank us for giving you this opportunity. And I would like to thank you for this opportunity. There Big fan of the show. <laughs> Long time listener, first time caller, Aaron Hodge. Um, who we, we explained, just real quick, when I asked you how you were related to both of us, you just mentioned that you're Aaron's husband. It never came up. That I've known you as long, if not longer, than her because we went to college together and you lived with my brother. Well, to be fair, and you we interrupted me pretty quickly. I couldn't, I was flustered. Well, to be fair, you have known me for like 10 years. Stop getting flustered. Okay. You guys knew each other for like five months before I entered yes. the picture. I was roommates with Hannah's brother, Ethan. We had a really great time together. Hannah was just kind of in the background. Oh, yeah. And, and they I... were constantly making me chug water so I wouldn't throw up everything. Uh, a few years later, I started dating Aaron, and Hannah, then he moved into our room. Yeah, I never left Colby Sawyer. No, he graduated, and now got I'm working a there. Girlfriend, <laughs> and moved in. Oh, right, you got a new job. Exciting, yeah. super fun stuff. All right, we got to wrap this up. Okay, guys, <laughs> thank you guys again for listening. Um, check us water. out. Oh, right, Instagram, Instagram, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen. Uh, send us a message. I will say, um, if anyone has something they want us to talk about... Oh, yeah. Suggestions um, are welcome. Suggestions are welcome. So... Maybe we could do, eventually, when we have people who listen consistently, like, uh, other people submit fun facts and we read them. Oh, that would be fun. That would be fun. Through the Instagram. Like, we could make that happen. Um, in the future. Till then, take your vitamins. Drink drink your your water. water. We love you. We love you, friends. We're out. We are out.